We thank you for being with us on this Easter because it is such an awesome day to be alive and to know that God is with us. The resurrection is incredible. It's amazing. It is the center of the Christian faith as we think of God's love for you and for me and for all of humanity. But too often, we think of it only as a first century miracle. And we sort of just put it back in the first century, and we fail to realize how it impacts us today. So this morning, I'm going to help us as we look at Ephesians chapter 2. I'll be looking at verses 1 through 6. And so if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2 to listen to how the Apostle Paul brings the resurrection not just as something that happened, but something that continues to happen for each of us. For when, as Megan mentioned to the children at the beginning of our service, when we trust in Christ, we become alive in Christ. When we trust in Christ, we become alive in Christ. Now, the way that the Apostle Paul has explained this is by looking at his own life. And Paul himself was a person who didn't know Jesus when he was on this earth. And that's one of the great things about reading the letters of Paul, is you get this person who's like you and me, who comes to faith after Jesus has been here. And he himself says he was the chief of all sinners. I take some comfort in that, because that means no matter how bad I am, the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, says that he was worse. He calls himself the chief of all sinners. Because early on in the movement of the Christian faith, he actually persecuted the church. He was one who was there when Stephen was being stoned to death for being a follower of Christ. And the book of Acts says that Paul was there egging them on and telling them to get rid of this guy because he was an early persecutor of the church. But then one day, as he was walking down the road to Damascus, he had an experience with the risen Christ, an experience in which he came to faith, and he learned to trust and believe in Jesus at that point, his life changed, and he also himself was alive with Christ. He had a completely new perspective, and that's how I'd like us to look at our text today. And that's also what I invite you to do this Easter. No matter where you are in your own personal walk with Jesus, I invite you to consider what it means to be alive with Christ, to take the resurrection of Jesus as something that historically happened 2,000 years ago, and bring it into your own life the way that the Apostle Paul talks about it so that it becomes how we live our lives today. You see, I believe, and the Bible I think is very clear about this, that you and Jesus can face anything this world has to offer you. You and Jesus can face anything. We don't need more. Once we have our faith, once we trust, once we learn what it means to be alive in Christ, there is nothing that comes our way, and that includes a coronavirus, that we cannot get through with God's help. But to understand how we experience the resurrection for ourselves and how we become alive in Christ, it begins with understanding our powerlessness. We talk a lot about that here at Faith Community Church because that's much of what the scriptures talk about, is helping us understand where we really don't have control. And so much of life we don't have control of. Paul puts it this way in Ephesians chapter 2. In the first two verses, he says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Do you hear what we're told to experience 
Christ's resurrection and to be made alive in Christ, we first have to understand who we are without Christ and our own powerlessness. Paul goes so far as to say that we are dead. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. Now, that's not an opinion. That's not something that we can say, well, I don't feel like I'm dead in my trespasses and sin. The scripture says that's the reality of who we are and what our life is if we simply try to control it ourselves. Now, the problem with that statement is people today have all these ideas that they throw into that text and they don't go back to what Paul is actually talking about and what it means to be powerless and dead in our trespasses and sins. You see, the word sin has become almost a scary word for modern Americans in which they think it somehow is shaming us into saying that we're this awful bad people worse than someone else. And that's not what the word means at all. The word harmatia, which is a Greek word, is a word that literally just means missing the mark. It means that if we try to live a perfect life, if we try to figure out how to do everything just absolutely the way that we should do it, the way God would have us do it, the way our family would have us do it, the way that we ourselves would know would mean we would be living perfect and loving and caring, we cannot do that. We cannot attain that on our own because we miss the mark. Then the word trespass is the Greek word parapatoma, which means slip. Think of that. Have you ever slipped? Have you ever walked down the road and just kind of tripped accidentally? I remember one time my high school basketball coach said, Cushing, you could trip over the line in the basketball court. Well, that's probably because I was growing probably a little too quickly and getting a little awkward, but that's sort of how life is. We slip. But we don't just slip physically. The Bible says we slip morally. We make mistakes Our sins are when we try to do the right thing and we miss. Our trespasses is when we're not really thinking about things and we just kind of mess up. And then we go back and we say, I can't really believe I did that. Here's the problem. With your own willpower and with my own willpower, we can't stop our missing the mark and our slipping up. We're human beings. We're just going to do it. It's just part of our human condition. I'm sure you are like me, and we've made these promises to ourselves to say, I'm never going to, and add whatever you want to put there. I'm never going to get mad at my spouse again. Good luck trying that one. I'm never going to say anything harsh and cruel. Good luck trying that one. I'm never going to not forgive another person. Not going to happen. Every single way in which we try to live this perfect moral life We mess up. We're human. And therefore, since we can't stop it on our own, we acknowledge our powerlessness. That we need something beyond ourselves, and that's why the resurrection is so awesome, and God's grace is so amazing. Think of Mary Magdalene, who we heard in the gospel text at the beginning of our service. The Bible tells us that Mary Magdalene was a woman from whom seven demons were cast out. Now, that's hard for us to comprehend today exactly how people perceived this woman, but she was one messed up person that people didn't want to be around. Then she encounters Jesus. These demons get cast out of her, and her life completely changes. And she's this respectable woman who's part of the group of people who are following Jesus and loving him. They care about him. They learn from him. They try to follow his teachings. Now, 
in the midst of when she had met Jesus, she understood she was powerless and she was thankful for what Jesus had done for her. And then things, of course, took that awful turn during Holy Week. And Mary Magdalene, along with others, stood powerless as they watched their good friend and their teacher being dragged through the streets of Jerusalem, being humiliated, being spat upon, and ultimately being crucified. She watched powerlessly with absolutely nothing she could do and wept as Jesus breathed his last breath. And now on the first day of the week, she shows up at the tomb, and it's so amazing that she's the first one who gets there. And again, she's been powerless over his death, and now she discovers there's something else that she's powerless over. His body's not there. The stone's been rolled away, and she's now frantic, trying to say, has somebody stolen the body of this teacher, this savior of mine? Because she comes to the tomb for the purpose of anointing, according to Jewish custom, for burial. Powerless. There's nothing she can do. Well, God is sort of letting us see in a new way our powerlessness, isn't he? Because what we're discovering today is with the COVID-19 pandemic, we are powerless. No matter how many times you and I have thought in the past in our life that maybe we had control over certain things, God is certainly teaching us today that we, like Mary Magdalene, like us in our own lives, have some things that we are powerless against. And then the Bible teaches us that there is a prince of the power of the air, is said to us in Ephesians, a prince of the power of the air who also in the midst of our powerlessness is just there trying to make matters worse for us. Have you ever felt like there were forces working against you? Have you ever looked at something in life and saying, wow, it seems as if there are just these things that are happening that not only do I have no control over, but they almost seem to be intentional as if they're coming after me, making my life worse. Well, again, that's what the scripture teaches us. That's how much our powerlessness is. That's what people experienced the day that they went to the tomb, like Mary, wondering how in the world can we move forward when there's so much that we have no control over. And that's why if we wish to be alive in Christ and understand how the resurrection can impact our lives today, we come to the next thing that Paul talks about in Ephesians, and that's not just our powerlessness, but God's power. That's what today is all about. Today is about a day to celebrate God's amazing power in the midst of anything that comes our way. Because we're told again in Ephesians that God, being rich in his mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, even when we were dead in our trespasses and in our sins, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. Do you hear what Paul says? It's not just that we're powerless over certain things in our life, but those very things God has power over. The very things that we slip up on, the very things that we do intentionally or unintentionally, that we look back at our life and say, why did that mistake happen again? Why did that thing need to come out one more time? Or that word when I thought I was going to keep my tongue, and this time I didn't? And then we're told that there's an answer. And it's not ourselves, but it's God's power. Think again of Mary Magdalene arriving at the tomb totally powerless, had no control over what had happened to her friend, had no control over the fact that the 
the stone was moved and there was no body inside where a body was supposed to be laid at this new fresh grave that had been given by, by a friend of Jesus, feeling completely, completely powerless, only now seeing the linen cloths lying there and starting to comprehend and realize that God's power had done something amazing that she was completely not prepared for. And now that she was there and she started to experience the things that she did that day and, and the others, Peter and John and, and the other Mary and pretty soon all of the disciples, they start realizing as they see a risen Christ that God's power was beyond anything that they could comprehend. That Easter, this new thing that had happened, was a reminder to them for the rest of their lives that God's power was great when we experience our weaknesses. That's what power is, because that is, according to Paul, that same power from God who's rich in mercy who makes us alive. That means he forgives us. That means he saves us. But that also means he helps us change. So with the things in our life that we don't have control over or the things in this world that we don't have control over, we don't just have to hold on to them and try to work harder. We're told that God's power can do for us what we can't do for ourselves, and we need to trust him, and we need to put our faith in him, and we need to turn things over to him. I was thinking about this last week, and I was thinking about how do we illustrate the difference between us doing things and turning things over to God? That's a common question that I get as a pastor. People come to me and they'll say, Pastor Stan, you talk about putting God in control, but how do I do it? Well, of course, the main thing we do is we just stop what we're doing and pray and give it to God. Say, God, this situation, I'm going to trust with you. This person that I have a hard time with, I'm going to trust with you. This character defect in my life, I'm going to turn over to you and I'm going to let you start making the change. But the problem for us is we are not naturally conditioned to live alive in Christ. That's not what our world normally teaches us to do. What our world teaches us to do is try harder, even doing the things that don't work, and try doing them even more to see if somehow that will work this time, even though it didn't work the last 20 times. Here's the illustration I came up with. When I first learned to drive, I was a kid growing up in North Dakota. Now, unfortunately, when you are a kid growing up in North Dakota, I don't know if it's still the same way today, we could get our driver's license when we were 14 years old. So young me had a car when I was 14. To make matters worse, North Dakota highways and roads get very icy. They don't use all the salt that we use around here. And in the warmer weather, a lot of the roads out in the country get a really muddy, my dad used to call it gumbo consistency. It is very easy, especially if you're an inexperienced driver, to lose control and to get into an accident. I cannot tell you how many times I drove my car into the ditch the first time I started to drive. Happened over and over and over. Usually, I was able to just keep going and get back on the road. I remember one time saying something to my dad about it, and he was a little concerned, but fortunately, the other thing that's nice about driving in North Dakota when you're a 14-year-old kid is there weren't other cars around. So I really wasn't doing anything other than just having my own experience learning to drive in these, for me, difficult conditions. Well, one day, I, my car, I was going out on a country road, and my car went off the road, and I was in the side of the ditch. 
And I tried to move the car, but the problem was there was so much mud, I just had my wheels kept spinning. And along came a friend of mine who was getting ready to work out in the field that day. He was driving down the road in this great big tractor. And I thought, this is awesome. This is all going to be OK. And so he got out, and he had this great big huge chain. And he put it on my car. And he had this big powerful tractor. And he tried to pull the car off the side of the road, up, over. It had an embankment. And no matter what he tried, it didn't work. We tried different positions, different things. And as we were there working on this car, trying to get it out of the road, an old farmer drove up. And I think he had like a small Toyota. It wasn't much of a car. And he got out of his car and he said, you boys need some help there? And we said, no, we're doing OK. And he just kind of waited. And after a while, we said, yeah, do you think you could help us? And he said, sure. First of all, get rid of that, train and, or get rid of that chain and get rid of that tractor. And he pulled out a nylon rope that was good-sized nylon rope that he kept in his trunk. And he went down and he put it on my car. And he didn't attach it to the tractor. He attached it to a small car. And then he said, I want one of you boys to get in the car and put the car in neutral. And when the car gets back on the road, put on the brakes and you'll be OK. So my friend got in the car. I guess he didn't trust me since I was the one who had driven the car off the road in the first place. Put the car in, in neutral. And I watched in amazement as we had tried to throw all of our willpower at a problem to get that car out of the ditch with a chain, with a big chain, with a big tractor, kind of like we do in our life. We just keep putting more of ourselves in it, and it didn't work. And now with this rope and this other car, I watched as the rope started to stretch, and I thought, oh my goodness, the rope is going to break. But instead, what happened is more and more torque came onto that rope until very soon, the car gently came off of the ditch, out of the ditch, up on the road. And I stood there in amazement. I learned something. I learned, first of all, you've got to be careful and not drive your car off the road. I also learned that there are different ways of looking at problems than we usually do. The same is true with our faith. Too often, what we do when we discover our powerlessness is we keep doing the same thing over and over. We become like that kid, myself as a young boy, getting a bigger chain or getting a bigger tractor or thinking that somehow if we do the same thing, maybe a little bit more of it, something's going to change. And yet there's another power, and that's God. God wants us to give up on trying to fix our things ourselves and turn them over to him to realize that God is the one who can take away our sin. God is the one who can change our problems in our life. That we need less of our own willpower and less of our own doing it ourselves. And we need to turn more of our life over to God. For this is true with our sin, that God's power is greater than all of our resources. You see, what the scripture teaches is what happened to Jesus has already happened to us. The same power that raised Christ out of the dead is available to us when we quit trying to make a mess out of things, thinking that we can solve all of our life by our own control and doing more of what we've done that has failed in the past and start praying and quit worrying about things and turn them over to God and let God do his work. We started discovering amazing things that people that we have trouble with, if we pray for them as opposed to try to control and change them, we start seeing their lives change. When we have things in our own life that we don't like, rather than thinking that we need five more self-help books, let's try quieting our minds down, praying, turning the stuff over to God and listening for his guidance. You see, Jesus didn't 
raise from the dead and save us to give us miserable lives and leave us always having to rely on our own power. What Mary Magdalene discovered, what Peter discovered, what the Apostle Paul discovered when he came to faith in Christ is the same thing that's available to all of us. Trust God's power to address our concerns. And that's every one of our concerns, not just some of them. That's everything that you and I are facing, including the concerns we have right now. We are powerless. There's stuff we can't do, but we can pray every single day. We can get anxious and worried and think that somehow we can figure things out, or we can turn our concerns over to God and let him quiet our spirits and realize that the same power that brought Christ from the dead is available to us to pray for an answer, to pray for a cure, to pray to keep our family safe, to pray to keep us sane and healthy during these days. And once we've discovered that we're powerless and that God has the power, and we wish to be made fully alive in Christ and trust in the one who raised Jesus from the dead, we discover that we have a new position, a completely new position in life. Not the one that we had when we're trying to do things on our own. And that's why in verse 6 of chapter 2 of the book of Ephesians, Paul says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly places. Do you hear that? Jesus' resurrection gives you and me a new position. It makes us different people. It makes it so we don't have to look at our lives the same way. Jesus left his grave clothes behind because he didn't need them again. That's one of the great things that we see in each of the Gospels is it talks about the linen cloths laying there. They're laying there because he doesn't need them because now the Bible teaches that he reigns on high. It's not that Jesus is going to die again and they're going to re-need those grave clothes to rebury him, but rather in his new position. He is Lord of Lord and King of Kings. Now the scripture teaches that if we trust him, not only does he reign, but we reign with him. That's an incredible promise. That's what Megan was talking about to the children earlier. We're princes and princesses. We can view our lives different. Far too often people go through life having these very negative attitudes about ourselves or about others. And instead, we should be looking at ourselves and looking at those of us as we are a church family and loving our family and loving our neighbor as royalty and part of God's royal family. Yes, the Bible teaches that God has seated us with him in the heavenly places. Being alive in Christ means that we have this new position. It's incredible. All the times in which we feel less than or we think, how could I have messed up again? And here we are seated with Jesus who reigns. Now, I know that later today we're going to have families that are going to be gathered around the table for Easter. And I know that not only is it hard because our worship experience has changed today, but I'm sure that there's going to be many families that are going to be longing and wishing that we could be in big extended families But we certainly have had many times in which we have had those kind of meals together, those big family holiday dinners. When I was a child, my parents used to love having these big dinners, and especially we would have them at Easter, or we'd have them at Christmas, we'd have it at Thanksgiving, or we'd have it other times when extended family or friends would come into our home. And my mom always had a really interesting tradition. She would have an adult table, and she would have a children's table. She'd have the adults who would be sitting in one room, 
And then those of us who were kids were sitting in a smaller table in another room. Now, I love the family tradition, but I remember being a child thinking, man, I want to sit at the adult table. I just can't wait till I'm there. And then I remember one year, I must have been in high school, and we had a number of people who were over for dinner, and I was all excited because I was going to sit at the adult table because I certainly was older than all of those little kids that were there until the tables were set and my mom had placed me in with the kids' table. And I said, but I'm older than all of them. And she said, well, then you can keep an eye on the rest of them and help them during the meal. I wanted to be at the adult table. What Paul wants us to understand is when we trust in Christ, he puts us at the adult table. He changes our position. He makes us part of his royal family. It's a new position. It's better, in fact, than being at the adult table. It means as God's chosen children, princes and princesses who trust in Christ, that we reign with Christ and we have a new way of living our life, and now we get to live up to the standard that God has placed for you and for me. It means as we experience the things that we still don't have control over and we start seeing God changing things in our life, we know that we're important people. And when we view ourselves differently, we act differently. When you and I start realizing that we are children of the resurrection made alive with Christ and living in God's family, it changes how we view every situation because we know we don't have to be concerned about stuff because we can take it to our Father. It knows that we don't have to be concerned about things in our life because God making us royalty is working it out for us and we're becoming the people that God wants us to be. So this Easter, as we celebrate again what God did in raising his son from the dead, it reminds us of our powerlessness. It also certainly reminds us of God's power, but then it also points us to the position we have when we're made alive in Christ question is, have you experienced that power of Christ's resurrection in your life? Give your life to him. Trust him. And you'll be amazed what he does. Where you and I are powerless, God has power. When you and I fail, God forgives. And when we discover that we are made alive with Christ, we also discover that we reign with Christ. It's a different way of living our lives and experiencing every day. And so this Easter, I know we're all going through a lot of things that concerns us and troubles us and things that we have no control over and things that we're frustrated over and things that we wish were different. Things that we're powerless over. Let's trust in God. Let's put our faith in the one who brought his son back from the dead and let's realize that God can do for us and for our world what we can't do ourselves. And when we get discouraged and when we start feeling like it's hard being cooped up for such a long time away from people and we start getting agitated or upset and we start realizing that all of our human flaws come through, let's accept the fact that we can't always change them, that God is changing them in us. Let's receive the forgiveness that he offers to us. Let's take our position as God's children in the position that he's put us in and let's see ourselves in a new way and Realize that that allows us to also be patient with ourselves as God does his work in you because he is doing his work and he is changing you and he is changing me. So this Easter, let's not just allow that miracle of Christ coming alive to be something from 2,000 years ago. Let's make it personal for us today. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the power of Jesus over death. We thank you that you can do what we can't imagine. Help us trust in you. Help us realize that you can do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And whatever we're facing today, whether it's a sin, something that we're missing the mark on, whether it's a trespass, something that just keeps tripping us up, it happens time and time again, or whether it's something out there that we have got to acknowledge that we have no control over, and now maybe it's a fear that's coming up or an anxiety that's popping itself back into our lives. Help us trust in you. Help us know that you will do for us what we cannot do for ourselves, and help us discover that we, as your children, alive in Christ, are your royal family. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.